1: Miranda! Oh my gosh. I am so excited for this conversation. I mean, you and I, I do think that we there is a connection. Maybe it's because our charts are so dang similar. Maybe it's just a soul thing. I don't know, but I'm so excited to have you here.
2: Oh, that makes my heart happy. I love that soul connection and the charts, or maybe it's a yes and, really, on the charts and the way that we kind of want to shift the world and the way that we be in the world is kind of connected inside so i love that you said that it makes my heart happy
1: (laughs) love it i would love for you to share about your story of like coming into your voice because i mean yes our charts are similar but we've had very different lived experiences and i think that's as part of what makes everyone special is you can have very similar charts but your lived experience is completely different right you're what you experienced as a child and your culture and environment and all those different things play a role in how the energies are expressed. So I'd love to hear more about your story and your coming into your own voice and how human design played a role in that, or if it didn't, and those types of questions.
2: Well, human design definitely played a role in that. that But it was kind of like like an ever-evolving type of thing where I wasn't aware of it at that time. And the experiences, I truly feel like we we come into this world with a certain thing that we're here to learn about. When I go deep into my chart, I realize everything in my chart had to do with support or lack of support. My entire life was really created about this lack of support that I had with my mother. And as I dove into my chart within the astrology aspects and all the gates and the open G and all the things, it kept coming back to that support and evolution as far as not understanding who I am and not being supported in any way and figuring it out on my own. I moved out when I was 14 for my house because there was a lot of us. My mother, we have, there's a lot of children in our family and my mother would always take in, I would like to say strays of children as well. So we would have always people coming in, but yet We didn't get the support. She was always giving to other people, but yet she wasn't supportive of us. At least that's how I felt because she was always having. So as she had us, she kind of let us go and we were basically fending for ourselves. I moved out at 14 because there was a lack of support from her within an experience that I had that had to do with my step uncle. She basically said I was provoking him when I was I can't remember the exact age, but it was between nine and twelve. She said I was provoking him and he was twenty one. So I don't know how a nine to twelve year old can really provoke a twenty one year old, although I do have provocation in my son. So I guess I, I could see now <laughs> so i have given myself some permission there and some forgiveness. But because she didn't stand up for me, I moved out. And then when I moved out, I really just Went out of control. I was drinking. I was drugging. I was being promiscuous. I was looking for love in every area. I didn't love myself at all. I was a cutter. So I would cut myself so that I could feel because I was numb. Trauma does that. I was totally numb. The only thing I used to say to myself, I would rather feel pain than nothing at all. So I would cut myself. Yeah. And I don't know how I got out of that stage. I truly feel like even though I felt In this world, I was not supported. I truly feel in another dimension, I was supported. Because I was definitely guided away from that where I just stopped. So within this entire process, there are many elements that kind of grounded me into each area of my life. When I had my first son, grounded me in my purpose. Then I had my other son. It grounded me into having the strength to get away from an abusive relationship. And I had my daughter who grounded me into loving myself because she's a mere reflection of me. She was actually due on my birth date, but she gave me four days so that I could actually kind of have a little face. <laughs> but she still a deep reflection of self-love and lack of self-love. Mm-hmm. So I feel like she came to me for that reason. Yeah. And within this time, because my mother didn't support me and listen to me, I created this belief that what I said didn't matter. No one believed me anyway. I was stupid. I didn't know anything. I was constantly just telling myself all of these things all the time because I wasn't valued. I wasn't listened to. <laughs> Throughout my entire life, I created this whole life around this feeling of not being supported in my voice. I even had an abusive relationship where he choked me any time I used my voice, which then again was like, I'm not allowed to speak. I'm not allowed to share my words. But I didn't realize this until I started going deeper into my human design chart. And then I started noticing I have a lot of activation to my throat. Three of the four motors are connected to my throat. And yet I was so shy. I wouldn't speak. My okay. face would get so red anytime a person asked me a question because all the energy is coming up like speak, speak, speak. Yeah. But I, I couldn't. I would cry. I'd get embarrassed. There are those awarenesses that started coming up for me within human design aspect, and then I went into the equine gestalt, which helped me release my anger. I didn't feel like I had anger. I thought I was this person that was forgiving and loving, and I'm good. Until the, my coach gave me the racket and said, "Start hitting this cube, and let me know how you feel." And then, holy, like everything came out, in my voice. I was screaming and yelling, and Mm. by the time I was done, my entire body was shaking. I could barely stand. I feel like everything that I'm doing for myself now is giving me the opportunity to realize how conditioned I was because of those beliefs I created about myself, because of what happened when I was nine. I feel we are all conditioned in the voice because almost everyone has either heard you're too much you're yep. too quiet, why are you so shy, you need to be seen, not heard. We have all of this, which suppresses our authenticity, yeah. which then we create our entire life around. Yep. So when you look at your human design chart, and I've even people I've worked with, I ask them this question, and every time I get to tears, who would you be if you did not have that belief? Mm. Every single person is like, I don't know. Mm -hmm. I don't know who I am. Mm -hmm. And it is because we're so conditioned over those little things of suppression, of trying to fit in, trying to be seen, but in a way that's not too much, which is a huge one for me. I'm very observant of people. I know how much they can take Mm -hmm. and I don't go over that edge. So -hmm. they don't reject me. They don't tell me I'm too much. They don't mm-hmm. say they don't love me. I'm mm-hmm. suppressing so much because I don't want to be too weird. I don't want me to too out there.
1: <laughs> I do the same thing. I was actually just talking about this with a coach talking that like I will read the room. I will read the person that I'm talking to and the situation and I'll decide how much do I unleash and like just be versus boxing in and playing by the rules and doing what everyone is expected to do in this certain situation. And yeah, it's fascinating in some ways that like, are you doing it because you want to be liked? Are you doing it just to be cordial? Well, I know my answer. What's your answer? I feel like most of the time I just don't want the drama and I don't want people to get upset in any way. So it is a little bit of an emotional thing. But it's also like sometimes I don't really care either way. And sometimes it's just easier to blend in with everyone else than to be who I would normally be with my best friends, the people that really know me. It's just easier just to be that surface level person (laughs) that's agreeable. I get that. I get that. But
2: I truly feel like that is why a lot of us are not happy. That's why a lot of us, even with our marketing and our messaging, that's why we're not fully receiving all the recognition for who we are because we're suppressing it. So we feel valued and seen and not too much. But what if we actually were that crazy person that said all the things? (laughs) Right? Yeah. Because I'm getting there.
1: So Yeah. I am totally with you. And I I mean, I feel like every time I talk to you, I'm like, oh, I could definitely open myself a little a little bit more. (laughs) Well, it's a good thing that we're gonna be doing these podcasts
2: then because you guys are
1: in for a treat. In for it. Well, you do. You just you have a way of being yourself, but it's never like I've never felt like it was in my face. Or it was too big or too much either. And I totally relate to that being too much, being too, just too big of an energy. I feel like in my early 20s, I was a lot more outspoken. I would unleash on people and just, and then had several people in my life that were like, no, pull it back. You don't need to be that way. You don't need, and it was, it was all in from the best of their intentions. But it did. It silenced a little bit and made me feel like maybe I should control myself more. I am too unhinged in some certain circumstances. That's
2: very interesting that you said control because someone said that to me the other day. I was talking to someone about using my voice and like with my relationship. There's a lot of stuff happening with me and my personal relationship with my partner And our relationship is not normal. It is not what a lot of people would think was normal. Um, But we've made that decision. But yet there's still a little bit of control. And someone asked me, well, why are you controlling the outcome of it and doing it in a way that's more peaceful? And I said, well, because my daughter. I don't want this chaos to affect my daughter because that was my life. I was affected. I." Lived in chaos all the time, and I'm here to protect my daughter. So I have to do things in a way that is also mindful. Mm -hmm. You know, there's you have to be mindful, but then it's also like, but that's not authentic either because you're controlling things for someone else.
1: Mm. Yeah, that's oh man, I totally relate to that because I do as a parent feel responsibility for their experience in some way at least helping them understand things and being a guide and not necessarily telling them how to whatever but the way that we parent the situations of the life that we have designed all is dictating their life experience and it is i don't I don't see that as a bad thing per se, but it is something to be aware of for sure. Like, are you protecting them from something that could ultimately serve them? That's a tough question. Oh, yeah,
2: it is. How I actually contemplated that afterwards, because at first I was like, well, I have to protect my daughter. And then after I had to sit with it being a two four, you know, you have to sit with it and your own energy and feel into it. And I realized then, okay, I can protect her, but I also need to communicate with her. I can't hide things. So we're going to keep this space in a way that is secure because I didn't have a secure space when I was younger. I didn't have a grounded space. And luckily, my partner and I agree on this, which I'm so grateful for because he came into my life definitely for, I feel like, this reason so that I can heal this karmic pattern that goes on in my family and also be there for her because she has this thing with talking to males. She doesn't feel kind of safe where she can with him. So we have opened up our relationship in a way that is very grounded and open, but still very secure. And I've also let her be a part of it. So she understands that relationships don't have to look like a certain way to be a relationship.
1: And she's like 14, right? She's 12. 12, okay. Okay. Yeah. And I mean, that is such an age to be diving into those deeper conversations, too, because she can understand and she's starting to already form her own opinions and beliefs and ideas about relationships. So to open up that dialogue. Oh, that's. That's beautiful.
2: Yeah. Well, our kids are always so much more aware than we even realize. And the minute that she started asking questions. I had to say, OK, I need to have this conversation because she's I'm not going to hide things from her. She's going to understand things. Oh, yeah. So this is an opportunity to help her have new perspectives in the way to have friendships, new perspectives in how to relationships, new perspectives in the way family works. It is truly actually a gift yeah. in being able to, to speak with her about this so she can have a choice when yeah. she's older.
1: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, that's awesome.
2: Being a parent always keeps us learning. Oh, it is always pushing an edge.
1: I feel like, oh, once you think you get it figured out. There's a curveball that's like, nope, <laughs> I don't.
2: <laughs> yeah. And that even goes to self-expression mm-hmm. with parenting, because I, I feel like before I truly cared and I know a lot of parents care mm-hmm. about what others think of them, they want their kids to behave because if they don't behave, then they're a bad parent. It has nothing to do with the kid. It has to do with their perspective, what people judge them out. right? Yeah 100%. So, Yeah, so it it gives the opportunity to go deeper into your own stuff and mm-hmm. your belief and ex- mm-hmm. and like what people see you as a parent and judge you and, and using your voice and saying, "I'm not sticking in the conformity of what." a good parent mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. it looks like mm-hmm. well and even i think our choice in deciding to homeschool has been very provoking and i found it even when we in our old house we sent the kids to a private school and that was provoking initially as well to the people that we were around there were all sending their kids to the public school and they were like why are you sending your kid to a private school like what's wrong with the public and they it in instantly felt like they were judging me, right? And for my decision, even though I don't judge you for your decision. I don't care where you send your child. It is your decision. And I want the same respect. And found that even when we decided to homeschool, it was like people would defend what they did. They would defend, oh, well, I can't do that. Oh, I don't have the time for that. And they were like, that has nothing to do with our decision. It was just interesting to see how people react to someone living outside of the box.
2: Yeah, that is a great point. And what comes up is usually their fears or inadequacies of what they're doing, because even I don't drink and I haven't drank for six years and people get weird about it. Like, why don't you drink? Why don't you have one drink? It's like, why does it even matter? I'm not judging you. Right. Like, why are you drinking alcoholic?
1: Why does it matter if I do or not?
2: Exactly. But that goes to show why so many people stay in that conformity. Yes.
1: It does. It really does. Is because they are afraid of their own their own judgments, for one, because they're judging other people for living outside of the box. And Therefore, like, I, I can't step out of the box. Holy crap. Like, what's going to happen to me if I do that?
2: And that does bring fears up, too, because usually when you do a step out of the box, there is a little bit of chaos. People fall away. Friends fall away. If you're shifting your business, business shifts. And a lot of people like that starts to happen and then they restrict and so like, oh, no, I messed up. This is showing me that I messed up. When in reality, it's more so you're realigning. And you have to let things fall away so that you can fully step into who you are that next evolution of who you are. But most people get scared and they hold back and they stay the same and stay safe. Mm -hmm. But I've been doing this. I've honestly been stepping out of the box for consistently for over six months now. And let me tell you, so much has changed. But so many things have happened that are helping me step into my voice more, helping me be more bold, helping me understand myself more and not really letting others keep me stuck or down. So it's yeah, it's a lot of messiness mm-hmm. and it's overwhelming at times. But mm-hmm. once you get to the place where it's like, ooh, something's falling away, something else is coming. What is it? You know, it's, yep. it's all on your perspective.
1: It is. It so is. And I know I felt that way where I stepped outside the box and went, oh, my God. that was a really bad decision or I feel like I made the wrong decision or whatever but now it is more of okay things are falling away the things that were no longer serving me can fall away and something new can come in its place like you can't add more you have to get rid of first in order to really fully express and be yourself
2: do you feel like the word alignment When people say alignment in their business, life, all that kind of stuff, do you feel like people understand that alignment is not easy? (laughs) No. (laughs) Because alignment and realignment is messy.
1: Yeah. I would say most people, and honestly, I think it's the messaging that's out there is just, just align to yourself and everything will be hunky-dory and flow. I did not have that experience. I feel like it's been messy. It's been ugh, rocky and scary, and kind of feels like I don't know what the heck I'm doing most of the time. And most people don't. Most people don't understand that things have to fall away before they can be in true alignment. Yeah, kind of, have and, to and a lot
2: it. of trust. There has to be trust in that and knowing that even though things are a mess right now and you don't know what's going to happen, that you are supported,
1: Mm -hmm. that
2: the things that will show up for you in right timing, Mm -hmm. that, yeah, you may struggle and things may be hard, but you will move through it as long as you let yourself move through it and not hold on to things.
1: Yeah. And not make the falling away mean anything about you, not let it mean that you did something wrong or did it wrong, did anything wrong or that you're not worthy or not enough or any of that and just let it, it just be. It is what it is. Like allow the emotion to come up, come through whatever it needs to be. My friend that I spent the weekend with, she's going through a lot and I was like just be with it. I know it sucks. And she has always 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 had a great perspective of things are happening for me, not to me. And I told her that and I was like you're doing you're you're in the thick of it and it's okay to be in the thick of it be present in it. You'll get to the other side. Who knows what that looks like? I don't know what it looks like. You don't either. That's okay. Just be in the muck. Learn what you need to learn in this muck so that you can come out the other side and go, holy shit, I'm a whole new person, whole new person for the better.
2: That goes with your messaging too, Mm because we came together because of human design and messaging and the voice. And that's why we are doing these podcasts, there's going to be numerous, where we just come together, have conversations, probably have people ask questions. I don't know. That could be fun. I like that idea. Yeah. yeah, Like have people listen and have questions where we can respond to them because they're both many gems. Yeah.
1: You know,
2: and just see what happens. And I know that we came together because you are my podcast and Mm -hmm. we have a lot of things in common Mm -hmm. with our church. So I want to ask you then, Yeah. since you asked me about the embodiment of the voice, because that's what I'm focusing on, what is this collaboration or connection that you feel with us, with the messaging and the voice? And why is it that you wanted to do this? I love this because we get to take turns asking questions.
1: I feel like there is just certain people that you meet and you're like, you feel like you can go deep and ask the harder questions with, right? And I feel like those people, I want more in my life. I want more interactions like that. And maybe it's the sixth line, the fourth line, whatever. But those are the people that I'm like, I want to hang on to you in some way. I want to keep you in my sphere. (laughs) I want to like nurture this relationship because there's that's not easy thing to find. I feel like it's not, not common. I don't know. Yeah, I meet I, a lot of people.
2: Yeah, I agree with that too. With the depths and going deeper, not being afraid to share the deeper stuff and the messy yeah. stuff, whereas a lot of people don't want to go there. Yeah. Yeah. Do you go into the deeper stuff and the messy stuff with the messaging, or do you feel like a lot of the people aren't ready to go there?
1: One-on-one, yes. Because I think when you haven't been in feeling safe to say what you want to say, and you've just been conforming your message to what you think is going to sell, to what you think is supposed to be good messaging... It can feel really scary to come out and actually talk about what you want to talk about. I felt that way. It's why I created a private Facebook group for a year and a half and only talked about the what I wanted to talk about in that group. I didn't have Instagram. I didn't have like it was exclusively this private Facebook group because I didn't feel safe talking about it. And it wasn't until I did it long enough and felt like, oh yeah, I do have something to say. People are listening. It was validation. I. I don't think I did it seeking the validation, but when it came, I was like, okay, now I feel like I have a piece that was missing in my confidence to be able to go out and face the masses, face the whatever's out there, be able to talk about what I want to talk about.
2: So you created that, that four line, that safety first, you felt grounded and yep. safe. You felt good in yourself. You understood yep. yourself. Yep. And then... You stepped more so out. So where is the provocation in your chart
1: again? Thirty-nine is my sun gate. So I mean we have basically it's the same numbers. They're just in different order for our, our incarnation crosses. Conscious sun is thirty-nine and unconscious is twenty-one
2: for me. Mm. And mine's like the conscious sun is forty-eight and the unconscious thirty-nine, and then the conscious earth is twenty-one. Yeah. Yeah. Well, no wonder why we kind of like our energies like bounce off each other, right? Like it's just a tiny little difference, but it's
1: very similar. Yeah. hmm.
2: I love the thirty nine in the conscious sun because that energy is what you're here to be—is that provocation and provoking thing. So you knew that by creating that space, getting comfortable in that sharing, and then it's like, okay, now I I know more. So I'm going to bring it out more into the the world with the provoking more. Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And it had to be on my own timeline, too. I have had several people in that time frame say you need to be doing like stuff under your Facebook profile and just being louder and more. I don't know, like putting plastering it everywhere what I was doing. And I was like, no, that is (laughs) no, (laughs) not not the way I want to do it. I guess I want to do it not that yet. But, not yet.
2: Because exactly because yeah, I felt that way too before. Mm-hmm. I felt like I needed to have a safe space. I didn't need to have all of this, all of this energy with provoking out there. But now that I've been really diving into letting go of the anger and letting my voice out, it's like now yeah. I'm here to provoke. I'm here to bring that out. And if people get provoked, then I'm doing my job.
1: So yeah. I'm doing what I'm here for. Exactly.
2: Yeah. And that's the difference with messaging. When you mention yeah. some people don't even know human design and they're automatically following their strategy and they already do it. But I do feel like once you have that knowing mm-hmm. and then you no longer have any doubt whatsoever, your messaging is in the face and there's no holding back. Whatever anyone said, it it may hurt a little. It may sting. Yeah. But you know that's what you're here to bring. Yeah. Right? And oh, I totally like, Going deeper into that with the messaging, even if you don't know your strategy or you do know your strategy, but you haven't really been fully putting it out there, maybe it's not right timing. You have to feel into it. I feel like we have to try things on first and then we get to be more bold.
1: Yeah. Get to filter it through your own awareness. And I think with as with anything in human design, filtering it through your own awareness. Do you feel like that's true or not? Are you ready to be there? Are you ready to really talk about that? If you're not, that's okay. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah, I've all been there. We have so much to talk about. I want to know. What has been the hardest part of stepping out? Like you talked about like lovability. But Mm -hmm. what has been the scary, almost like. It's not the scary part that you think is going to happen. It's almost like the the hidden benefit of staying small mm-hmm. and not using your voice. I've been going through a lot right now with the being too much.
2: Mm-hmm. I've noticed that I would observe. <clears throat> so I knew what people could take. Mm-hmm. So it wouldn't be too much. But that I was loved and valued and seen for who mm-hmm. I was. So. The too muchness is still a lot because I am afraid when I say too much, people are just going to be like, what the hell? Like, what is going on with you? Like, you're going through a midlife crisis. Maybe that is. When people get to a specific age, they start to say, you know what? I'm sick of pretending. I'm sick of wearing these masks. And then maybe that's what the midlife crisis is, is truly being authentic and no longer caring what anyone Thanks. Right. Yep. So I am definitely still afraid of people lashing out and mm-hmm. kind of rejecting me and telling me that I'm crazy. Basically, mm-hmm. you're too much. You're way out there. Why are you being too much? Those are the things that still come up for me. And sometimes there was a, a person, I think it was about a year ago, that said to a colleague of mine that I triggered her. And at first it hurt me. Because I didn't want to trigger people, but now it's like, yes, I want to trigger people because that's something. It means there's something there. And I have to understand that even when people say I'm too much, it's their stuff. It's not me. But because I've been holding on for this for so long, it still hurts Mm -hmm. when people say that to me or say that I'm going through something. Because it's like, I'm not going through anything. I'm emerging into who I always was. Mm -hmm. And you don't even know who I am.
1: Mm -hmm.
2: so that it's scary to me of judgment of people
1: Mm -hmm. oh yeah and i feel like if you talk across the board mg vote have you been considered or do you consider yourself too much and i guarantee you like 95 percent of us would be like yep feel like way too much in some way shape or form mine has always been if i speak up if i talk and just be myself that i am an idiot that I'm stupid, that somehow I'm not smart enough. I don't even know where that comes from. I'm sure it's from a childhood and that I don't want to look stupid. Mm. So if I keep my mouth shut, I can't look stupid. Well, that's the 48. Mm -hmm.
2: Inadequacy, not knowing enough. Yeah. Right? Yep. Yeah. And even and that, I love that you brought that up too, because that even goes deeper in the too muchnesses of the depth that we can go into. Like, some of the things that I'm studying right now, people would seriously think I'm crazy. Like, what the heck are you even thinking about, right? Like, you're so I
1: (laughs) I love conspiracy theories. And, like, not that I believe most, generally not, but they're so fascinating to me to go, how someone can go so deep down a rabbit hole. It's fascinating to me.
2: Yeah. Yeah, and then people I feel like that don't go deep kind of, like, think we're weird yeah and that's a huge thing for me i've always been attracted to people that are different i've always been oh my gosh i admire you for walking around with a rat on your shoulder you know what i mean like i've always loved people that were not afraid and now i know it's because i was i'm one of those people Mm -hmm. i'm seriously one of those people that go deep into the things that are different that Mm -hmm. is attracted to the darker side of things and i couldn't do that because i felt like people would think i'm weird i'm studying right now galactic astrology on how our past lives we jump through portals and aliens i mean there's so much that i'm studying right now that people would think oh my gosh love it (laughs) so i think that's a little bit of the too muchness to
1: be like Like, you're crazy
2: (laughs) right exactly (laughs) She's so funny. Mm-hmm. I, you know, projectors really call that out on you because my daughter-in-law, she's a projector. And at Christmas, I forgot what game we were playing. We're playing this game. It had to do with like talking about planets and extraterrestrials. And like they had to pick who would it be. And it was me. And she's a projector. And at first I was like, what? What are you talking about? Like, because I hadn't even found galactic astrology yet. And yet. She, as a projector, called that out last year, and I'm just putting that together right now. She (laughs) saw that Mm -hmm. before I even saw it, which is just gives the brilliance of
1: the projectors. And what is even weird? What is like, what is normal? And I was reading, it was a parenting book, and it was talking about left brain, right brain, and how School, especially K through like sixth, seventh grade, is really set up for left brain. It's very memorizing, consecutive. It's structured. But if you're right brained, you don't do well in that environment, especially if you're very much right brained. There's kind of a spectrum mm-hmm. from right to left. But if you're very much right brained, like you're not going to do well with memorizing. And I, very much right brained, I don't memorize. I don't care. I want to know how can I apply this to my life? What does it mean for my life? Give me some application like that versus just memorize these things and you're going to be smart, which is probably why I never felt like I was smart because I can't memorize. It was fascinating because she said in the book that most 30% are very, very right-brained. Another 30% of kids are kind of in that middle spectrum, more in the middle, but leaning on the right. And so that's 60% of the kids that are leaning on the right side, some more heavily than others, but yet our entire school system is set up for left. And how much we are labeling kids because that their brain just works different. And I've heard that argument so many times about ADHD and autism and all these things that we're labeling them because their brain just thinks differently. They're not weird. They're not abnormal it's just different it's fascinating to me and it makes me really mindful of how i am schooling (laughs) my kids as mgs and allowing them to one my daughter is definitely very right-brained and my son is probably more in the middle but leans towards the right i think but how you
2: notice if it has to do with the ajna
1: let's see my daughter is defined in the Ajna, and my son and I are not. Okay. So um, I'm
2: wondering if it has to do with the circuitry. Like I thought
1: over. that too, that like if you are really good with numbers and putting things together, that you would be defined. Like that was my my theory. And my daughter totally threw that one out the window.
2: That's interesting. Yeah, that is because I thought that too, because my Ajna is totally open. Yeah. So for me, like in one ear and out the other, basically, yep. unless I embody it. If I embody, if I enjoy it and I practice it in repetition over and over and I embody it, then I remember it. But if I don't embody it, then I don't remember.
1: Yeah. Mine is more, it's like, it's tied more to an emotion, which is interesting because I'm undefined in emotions too, that if I'm excited about learning about something or there's like a reason or I don't know, there's more emotion attached to it, the more I'm to remember the lesson versus if it's just like a math problem and you have to figure out the problem. I don't care. I truly feel like if a person, I mean,
2: do you really truly feel like a person that had difficulty with a certain aspect or a certain subject? Okay. Do you feel like they found a job in their life that they're primarily focusing on that one subject that they disliked? No. Mm. Unless they were conditioned to, because their parents pushed them. Conditioning of, oh, yeah. you want to be a doctor, You, I need you to do this, mm-hmm. rather than finding something that really lights them up.
1: Yeah. I mean, I definitely felt that, that there were certain professions that my parents really wanted because they knew it would equal X amount of dollars, right? I loved photography and I loved drawing houses as a kid. And they pushed me towards architecture because that was going to make money versus being a photographer, which was artsy and you never know. And who knows where you would go. Let's do the architecture route; That's the safe route. Here's the thing that I've learned about MGs too, is just because you love to do something doesn't mean that you should do that thing as a profession. Mm
2: -hmm, mm -hmm. Especially
1: MGs. Especially MGs. Especially.
2: Because we love so many things. <laughs> we love so many things. We are not destined to do all of them as a career. <laughs> Forever. No. <laughs> no. I mean, I think that's why I've been a personal trainer, I've yep. been a yoga teacher, mm-hmm. I've been a pranayama teacher, I've been, you know, a meditation teacher. So we're all in the same
1: realm, at least. I went from architecture to photography <laughs> to now messaging, copywriting. I think we get so much pressure that we that somehow our passion is going to be the thing that we do, and and I totally agree with the sentiment that whatever you're doing, you should have passion for and love it because you do spend so much time doing it. But just because something is a passion doesn't mean that it's going to be the thing that you do to make money.
2: And also, you could just do it for a certain amount of time, and then once it no longer is your passion, you can yeah. leave it. Yeah. Whereas in yeah. in yeah. society, we're told like I was a tr- trainer for 20 years. Mm-hmm. I trained a lot of people. I was like really known for training. Then it's like, huh. it's, mm-hmm. it no longer fulfills me because it's just about the physical body and I want to get deeper. Yeah. So then I went to yoga and then again, I was yoga for the the football team and all that kind of stuff. But then I was like, okay, but now I want to ask the right question. So it it's like having the mentality of I'm going full in right now, but it doesn't mean I'm going to be there forever and not letting society or friends or family say to you well you spent 20 years on this and so you should stay even right. though you're miserable that even goes with messaging I feel like
1: it does oh my gosh yes oh we could go down a whole rabbit hole with that yes your messaging is going to change hands down it's going to change and I think this is why I've shifted into teaching people instead of writing for them because your messaging changed. you need to be able to do this on your own in at least the basic capacity, because if you can't, you're never you're just stuck relying on other people to figure out what your voice is. And that's not always an easy thing. you got to know it for yourself. you got to know what you want to do, what you want to communicate, what is the like transformation of whatever you're creating is. Be able to explain it to people and know that it's going to change in six months, a year, two years. Like, that's OK.
2: And honestly, I feel like if it doesn't change, you're not doing your work yeah because if we're growing and evolving yeah then we're going to change our messaging we become Mm. more bold we become whatever it is Mm -hmm. it changes so Mm -hmm. if it doesn't change then that's a time for you to reflect on like oh i'm stuck because i'm not doing my work
1: yeah and i think i think generators i've noticed can do the same messaging longer than on most of the types most of us get we're done after like one round. <laughs> but generators can do it a little longer. And I find that their messaging just deepens. Like it starts out a little more surface level and they'll maybe turn that thing a little more passive. They don't really want to be in it as much after a few rounds and they want to deepen it. And so they'll take the clients to another level deeper. Like they're just deepening in their mastery, which is what they're supposed to be doing. <laughs>
2: Yeah, like deconditioning the layers, Mm -hmm. going deeper, the things.
1: What about projectors? What have you noticed with projectors and messaging? They bounce around until they find... And their system can be... I've found their system can be like human design is just their system. And that's what they want to dive deep on. Or it can be something that's like totally out of left field. And something they've created from their own life. They pulled in yoga. They pulled in Reiki. They pulled in like all these different things, a little MG-ish, right? But it's laid out in a different fashion than what an MG would do. And they once they kind of figure out what that system is, then, then they can go all in. But sometimes it takes time to find that.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I do also have a question about MGs because, you know, the... We're all different, all the MGs. I really noticed people that have the 34, I feel like have a lot more hands in the pot, I guess, I feel like, because I don't have the 34, but I do have the 952. The 952 is a format channel. So this format channel really, it, it actually reflects my entire chart. Everything is through that lens of the 952. So for me, I, I feel like I'm sometimes not a full MG. I have a lot of activation mm-hmm. to my throat, but I don't feel like I have that, that shiny object syndrome where I kind of like yeah. go all over the place. It's like I find something, I have yeah. the 48, I go deep for years and years and focus and deep and deep. And then as soon as I'm no longer excited, it's like, okay, time to move on. Mm-hmm. So have you noticed that with different types of MGs,
1: yeah, definitely. I mean, the thirty-four. If you have that, it's definitely uh, hands in the every kind of pot all over the place. I have the thirty-four. It's not connected to my throat, but I have the thirty-four. Both my kids have the thirty-four too, and they're very much kind of all over the place too in what they like. And yeah, I think the shiny objects syndrome for MGs is tied very much to the thirty-four. That's interesting that you have noticed that so much about yourself too. Because I
2: I realized I would ask myself, I'd be working with people and they jump from one thing to the other and I'd be like, I need to focus. like I need to sit and focus and go deep into this for like however long I need to. And then I'll move to the next, maybe the next day or maybe half day later, I can really focus on something for a couple hours. I can't be all over the place because it makes me feel like I'm all over the place. Mm-hmm. And I have I have a defined route. I have the 952. I really like to go deep and focus. And I always wondered why. I'm an MJ. Why am I not like that? But then I realized that it is a format channel, that the channel mm-hmm. actually kind of is the whole lens. My entire human design yeah. body graph reflects that. And that's yeah. how I am. So I do go deep. And I kind of bounce
1: back and forth between the two. Like I want to go deep. But I also, if I were to spend an entire day on one thing, I would feel like a failure that day.
2: See, for me, I feel like, wow, I got like this this amazing thing done and it's so good and it's so in-depth that I'm done. And now I get to go to the next thing and go deep into that.
1: No, I feel like I didn't even scratch the surface of the depth and I'm like, now I'm all consumed with it. Versus going deep for a a shorter amount of time and then i can do that with a couple different areas throughout the day that feels like a win of a day Mm -hmm. where i get to do all the pots and go deep on all the pots for a short period of time
2: yeah oh that's so interesting so that's interesting for anyone listening too. you know because even though we're both mg's yeah it's we do things differently because of our our definition so it it just goes to show that we're all unique in our way of being that our messaging is our messaging it's not what someone tells us to do or anything like that you have to feel into it because for like me with my clients i like to go deep like Mm -hmm. i want to go into that depth that time that space where we get into that heaviness Mm -hmm. that's what fills me up where a lot of people are like i don't want that that is scary
1: Shadow work is scary. I mean, it's scary when you haven't done it. The more you do it, you're like, yeah, bring it on. (laughs) Yeah. It's like, ooh, there's something there. Let's see what that's about. (laughs) Because you know that on the other side, it's so much better when you release and get rid of that shadow and work and just see the shadow. Just see it. Not even get rid of it. Just see it.
2: Mm -hmm. That even goes even more into our messaging and our voice. Yeah. Right? Because once you understand that about your chart... You understand more of your niche. you understand who your ideal client is. You understand like mm-hmm. for me personally, it has to go deep. I want to spend time, I want mm-hmm. space, whereas other people don't they want many, many people or whatever touching on yeah. things, and that's that's their chart, but that's mm-hmm. where the messaging comes in, and that's where the voice comes in,
1: yeah, too, yeah, and how to find that aligned strategy, the containers that you're putting around your offers and how it works for you and what you really want to do, not what makes money or not what industry standard is or what people think it sells or anything like that. It's like, no, this is how I want to work with clients. Well, we're going to be doing one of these a month. I'm so excited. And I feel like I want to tease what we're making. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Go ahead, tease it, tease it. (laughs) Bren and I are going to put together a container where we're going deep, obviously. Okay, we're provoking you, but really, we're creating a container for people that are afraid to step out into who they truly are. And we're going to look at the shadow. We're going to look at why and what's holding you back, and then really step forward with a message that is authentically you and feels exciting to you. And like, this is what I've been really wanting and craving to do, but didn't give myself permission to. We're giving the space to, like we're holding space for you to be able to do that because it's not always easy. There is a shadow there. And I think this collaboration between the two of us really helps people go deep in a way that I have never been able to do with clients and I'm excited about. Being able to heal some shadow and really look at like, why can't, why haven't I been able to do this, even though I know that I want to, but I just, there's something holding you back. Yeah. And what this feels like
2: is a little bit of a container where you have the permission and opportunity to go into the things that you were always afraid of before, because whether people push away. You're afraid to say it to people. You're afraid of reaction. You're afraid, like, is this truly me? These yeah. beliefs. So we go into like the deconditioning. Where are you conditioned the most and how you're expressing yourself? How are you not expressing yourself and why? So mm-hmm. we go into that, like going heavy into this stuff. And it will be, it will be heavy at times, but it's in a safe space. And I've done these containers and the magic that unfolds. Happens almost within the first week, because as soon as people start sharing those scary things and you're witnessed and you're uplifted and you're congratulating each other and you're you're not putting people down or making them feel bad for feeling a certain way, you start to realize how many times you've actually suppressed yourself. So this container is going to give you that space and then we get to do all that work and then we get to do the messaging, so that you get to bring that out into the world. So I think yeah. it's going to be
1: really magical. I think so too. Was so much fun. So that'll come out not till the first of the year after the new year. Let that percolate in people's minds. I think right now, <laughs> we are all going to be doing a monthly podcast. Mm-hmm. Right? So mm-hmm.
2: if you guys want to ask questions, definitely send questions either either one our way. We can answer them that way. We can give you a little bit more insight of what we're doing, more of what you Mm -hmm. want to hear from us. We're doing this in a way because we're learning how to work with one another as well. So I love that you brought this up for us to do because we get to know each other. We get to practice. We get to to kind of be in each other's energy. And then we're going to get to create this container for everyone, too. So this way, you guys will all know us together. You will know us, our energies together and learn from us before we even really bring that container out into the world.
1: Mhm. Yeah. Well, Miranda. I'll see you next Thank
2: month. Yes. Thank you so much.
0: Can't wait. Bye guys. My hope is that you walked away with something today that has opened your mind, your heart, or both. Listening to new perspectives not only helps you grow and expand, but it helps humanity as a whole. So if you have someone that you feel would benefit from this podcast and you feel that you want to share, please do. Also, would love to connect with you on Instagram. So please follow me at Miranda J. Mitchell. One last thing. If this episode left you with any ahas and insights, take 30 seconds of your time and leave a review on Apple Podcasts. This is the only way I know you are loving the content and connection in this space. And if you want to know more or wondering how we can work together, please go to Miranda-Mitchell.com. Click on the contact in the menu and send me a message. Sending you all love. Till next time.